Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, there's no like we just jump right in. Here. Of course. Um, is this light over here weird that no one can see who's listening? It just feels like it's it's casting an immense amount of light on this side, but then it's over. cool. It's like it's artistic. It's Lynchian. It is sure. Well, that's what that's how I try to make all my hotel visits Lynchian. I've dragged uh, out now. I keep wanting to pronounce your last name the Italian way. Please do Scagliati. Oh, precious! <laughs> no one pronounces it that romantically, <laughs> and, and it's actually a long O. If I'm going to get nitpicky, Scagliotti. But uh, yes, correct. That's nice. The G is silent. That's kind of the, that's the catchphrase I'm trying to enact. <laughs> the G is silent. It's actually on the back of the business cards I just had. Made. Is that going to be your album cover when you do the album? Uh, maybe. When you open for Hole. When I open for Hole. You're going oh, to see Hole tonight. I'm going to see Courtney Love Live! That's amazing. And you know, the great thing about seeing Courtney Love Live is you don't even have to see her play music. She is just entertaining if you just see her live. Exactly. Well, and that's why I'm going. I'm going for the freak show. I mean, it's 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 50-50, right? It, it can either be a really entertaining train wreck, mm-hmm. or it can be a terrifying train wreck. Either way, whatever kind of train wreck it's going to be, it's going to be... It's going to be amazing. I'm sorry. I, I know I told you the story the other night, but there weren't a lot of podcast listeners. But when I... Um, when I worked at the MTV Video Music Awards one year and I saw her uh, rehearse with Hole, she wanted to just start rehearsing, but they hadn't hooked everything up yet. And so they were trying as fast as they could, but she she would count off. This was her way of trying to get them to... Work faster. Work faster. She'd go, one, two, three, four, and there wouldn't be any sound. I am. She's so hard. She got, she got a little bit of... Uh, I think it was... Um, in the sky Ooh, Violet. It was Violet. Oof. And so uh, she got the first couple notes out and no sound, of course. They were hooking it up. And she goes, one, two, three, fucking four! <laughs> and then Eric Erlinson was like, um, Courtney, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to hook this up. Like, he was very sweet. Like, clearly, he was like an abuse wife, you know, or, the, you know, almost like he was going, you know, she's really very nice, you guys. And then she turns to him like it's his fault, and she goes, shut up, Eric, you can't even play guitar. It was, it was mind-blowing. I'm in love. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting for more classic quotes I can tuck into my scrapbook and cherish forever. Did you, I'm sure you saw the, the Nick Broomfield thing, right? Did you see the Kurt and Courtney documentary? I haven't. It's. I mean, he basically tries to... My, my impression of it was that, you know, he kind of tries to imply that she might have been involved in... That it was not a suicide, it was a murder. I mean, like, he, he basically... Ooh, touchy. Just kind of like, well, this wasn't investigated, and this one... But, uh, you know, he goes back and talks to her family and pulls out this timeline that she wrote when she was young. I know about the timeline. The deadlines for acquiring either a rock and roll husband or becoming Yeah, a rock and, and like, roll the people star. that she was going to meet and... Having like, a swimming pool by a certain... Like Oscar nominee, like, like that kind of craziness. Sure. So, all I'm saying, people, is if lists can work for Courtney Love... <laughs> I call it ambition. There's a little bit of ambition. I don't have a timeline necessarily, but I do have a list. Let's write a book called Skank Ambition, and uh, <laughs> it's going to be all about... I can, I can write the introduction for Skank Ambition. Write I, I'm writing an introduction pretty soon, actually. What for, are you writing it for? Well, uh, the good people over at Comics on Comics um, have... I love those guys. They mobilized a street team for me. Good old Sax Carr has had t-shirts made. Allison Skagg to play Cassie Hack in the adaptation of Hack Slash. Oh, that's fantastic. So, by way of this man's benevolence, I've gotten in touch with Tim Seeley. Um, I know Tim! Uh, really? Super nice guy! Oh my god! Mutual friend jam. That's fantastic. Um, and he's he's asked me to, to write the intro for My First Maniac. So, I have a couple months to do it. and That is fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. Now, listen, not only... Uh, not only are you uh, a very pretty lady, you are also, because I'm 70, uh, <laughs> but uh, you are uh, crazy smart. Crazy smart. Thank you. So what? what is, so I don't know, I'm not familiar with your with your background before. Oh, by the way, uh, Allison is on Warehouse 13. Uh, oh, the, for anyone yeah, it begs mention. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm number four on the call sheet. I play Claudia Donovan, the uh, geeky, hip, punk rock techie on the show uh, who hacks her way into the warehouse to kidnap Artie and well you watch season one if you listen to the Nerdist <laughs> podcast I'm sure you probably did which is now available on DVD and Blu-ray uh, go to Amazon.com or iTunes or whatever it's not uh, disappointing um, also our music was just nominated for an Emmy oh that's awesome great news Ed Rogers is uh, a fantastic fantastic guy and really talented and, and we're all exceedingly proud that the score was nominated that's spectacular well I met you when you did uh, G4 Attack of the show. Correct for the second time. Yes. Sophomore status. You did a little sophomore, a little sophomore action there. I wasn't, I wasn't there for the first round. So, uh, but, but the second round, and I was like, "Sales chicks, all right." And then we became Twitter <laughs> pals, and then, and then my account got hacked or something, and I lost all my followers and followees. Is that correct? Oh, you lost you lo- your ha- your account got hacked. I uh, or a virus or something, so I had to restart it. But I'm almost up to six thousand now, and the fact that six thousand people want to subscribe to my thoughts on a daily basis is terrifying to me. It's only gonna go up from here, Skag. <laughs> it's only gonna go up from here. Mm-hmm. Soak it up. <laughs> on, Warehouse 13's on Sci-Fi. I, a lot of people were angry that Sci-Fi changed the name to S Y F Y, but I, it, it makes sense. You can't trademark. SCI-FI. It's a genre. It's a broad sweeping genre. You, you can't you can't trademark. No no one got fucking mad when Def Leppard misspelled Def Leppard. Correct. I mean leopards were, you know, incorrectly signing to other Def Leppards after that how to spell it. But other than that, no one gave a shit. No one gave a shit. Yeah, the uh, the rebranding um 
was cause for a lot of jokage, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that not all the programming on sci-fi is science fiction anymore. I mean, like, our show has elements of science fiction, but it's also, more than anything, a comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, It has the thrills and chills of of your run-of-the-mill sci-fi show, but it's also got this great chemistry between our two leads, uh, Eddie McClintock and Joanne Kelly. And uh, Sci-fi did a really, really smart thing by hiring a showrunner who has no interest in sci-fi and is a straight comedy guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He believes that Jack Kenny, by the way, I love you, Jack. Thank you for hiring me. Uh, And thank you for listening, Jack. (laughs) Jack Kenny believes that, uh, you know, all the best shows are family shows. And uh, I didn't really connect with what a family show we are until we premiered last week and Eddie and I did this live online chat with... uh, Apparently, like, over 700 people logged on to chat with us. And I just threw the question out there at the end. Like, how old is everybody? Who are you watching with, you know, loved ones? Who are you alone? Your dog? I don't know. Um, we got everyone from age 11 to 66. Hmm. That sounds like a board game. Their age is <laughs> yeah. 11 to 66. <laughs> yes. That's your show. That's your show. It is, yeah. I like that sci-fi, you're right, it's not science fiction anymore, it's science fact. We have proven that uh, three-ton piranha can jump out of the ocean and attack a man. <sighs> so I, I did not expect that we'd, I'd have to give my opinion on the set of you don't the have monster to, movies. <laughs> listen, I have to tell you, I'm a fan of those because, here's why. I used to watch creature features when I was a, when I was a kid. Sure. You, got, you got so excited when some like crappy creature feature film would come on. Yeah, it was just part of the fun of it. So I'm I am totally on board. You know, like I don't. They don't have to make fucking you know uh, uh, X Men every Saturday night. Correct. You know, just some fun. No, they can make Sharktopus. <laughs> the shark with a pussy. Uh, I don't know what it is. A sh- the shark with an octopus that predicts the soccer championships. There you go. There's soccer going on right now. I don't know. <laughs> B- believe me, I don't. The, the only reason I know is because. There's just, you know, clusters of Latino gentlemen around televisions in Los Angeles cheering. And that's the only way that I know that there's soccer. And lots of, lots of jerseys hanging from randomly erected kiosks. Yeah. I've found. Or you see, you see some other country's flag on the antenna of a car that's honking while it's driving around the city. Because they're like, well, my team won. I guess I better let everyone know in, in horn uh, fashion. And then so they just drive around and honk. Honk at people. I have no connection to sports, whatever. I'm I'm sports tarted. I don't understand it. When dudes try to, when they try to connect with me in that way, they're like, Did "You see the fucking game today?" I'm like, uh, uh, "No, I plugged in this awesome microphone that looks like a lethal weapon." <laughs> oh yeah, that's the Zoom H4n. That's what I start talking about. Oh, I didn't record that on the Zoom H4n. You know, you can actually record in WAV formats, but I, at this point, I'm going to record in MP3 128 bit. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Where Allison, come back. <laughs> Door slams. So you you've been up here in Toronto. We're actually in Toronto. Um, we are. This is a location nerdist podcast. This is a location. Yeah, I'm up here performing the festival. You're up here shooting Warehouse 13. Where, where are you guys in the season? We are shooting the 11th episode in our 13 episode sequence. We've had to shoot out of order a lot just due to scheduling and I mean. Uh, locations coming available at different times and scripts being ready at different times. Um, so we're shooting the finale, and then we'll shoot number eleven, and then we'll shoot our standalone Christmas episode. <laughs> yep, that's awesome. I'm really excited. It's my understanding I'll be decorating the warehouse. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's Claudia's first time having a Christmas with a family. <sighs> yep, exactly. That was I promised myself I wouldn't cry. 
I mean, you took your cue so perfectly. I think you need to be in the Christmas episode. I, sh- I should be in the Christmas episode. I yeah. should be in the Christmas episode. Listen, the only way I'm ever going to get on any kind of theatrical show is if someone says, do you want to be on this? I'm, I'm not. I, I hate auditioning for stuff. I literally just stopped. Auditioning is inhumane. How long How long have you been doing the, the, the acting thing? Um, I knew as a toddler that I wanted to be a performer, even though I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But my mom caught me doing a Bill Cosby impression for my pool man and realized that an outlet needed to be found for this before the neighbors started whispering. Now it sounds I don't want to I don't want to uh, dig too deeply into into that and I'm just trying to walk on eggshells here but that sounded like something inappropriate was happening. What are you doing with my daughter? Oh, it was just uh, Bill Cosby. No, no. It, it was it was usually it was probably me going in the jello pudding my wife Camille. <laughs> um so, I don't know. Oh god, I don't even do it anymore. Why did it, Eddie McClintock's Bill Cosby impression is much better than mine. But, uh, you know, started acting in, you know, school plays and community theater when I was a little kid. Um, and then <laughs> tried it out professionally in Los Angeles when I was 11. So uh, I've, I've grown up reading breakdowns and thinking in stereotypes. Let me just... <laughs> All right, so uh, that's my friend over there. She's smart, funny, but with an edge. Yeah, correct. And also devastatingly attractive. Correct. You, I, I'm, I, I feel like a good storyline for Warehouse 13 is you uh, you go on to some, some covert government website that is hidden with a Bill Cosby video, oh. and something happens, and it fries your brain, and you think you're Bill Cosby for most of the episode. Oh. And then you could do your... I was just here in the warehouse and the computing device, and then you, and then the other part of it is you don't understand computers, like it because you're Bill, you think you're Bill Cosby, sure, and he doesn't understand computers. He understands pudding. He sure does. So <laughs> you always try to bring it back to pudding every um, time. Well, the computer the won't work. Have we tried some pudding? Worst Bill Cosby impression I've ever heard. It's really good, actually. I dig you, Hardwick, but really, <laughs> really bad. Well, uh, I guess I could understand that. Oh, wait, I mean, it's just getting worse. Now it's it's a cowboy from Dallas all of a sudden. Yep. Well, not that's all, well. Bill, Bill spent some time down south, and you know how you just <laughs> absorb the accent of wherever you are. I, now, see, you were just doing a very superficial Bill Cosby accent. I was actually delving into some very deep character work with with geography. Uh, you went method with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Impressed. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. I went really method with a, a, a role in a TV show called Mental a while ago, uh-huh. playing a girl who was born a boy. And uh, at the top of the episode, tries to commit suicide. I, I, I'm not going to go mental on something like that. <laughs> or rather, I'm not going to go method on something. That was a Freudian slip. I meant to say I'm not going to go method. And I said, I'm not going to go mental. So I just revealed that I went seriously mental. What do you, mental. when you're, when you're, are you an actor who, you know, you're, are you one of those, you're not one of those people who are like, you have to call me my character name. No. You can just turn it on and off. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it depends on the situation. If I've got a, a scene where I need to get to some deep emotion, I'll go, I'll have my quiet time in the corner of the set to to get myself into whatever place I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when a scene is banter between myself and Saul, Rubinek, who plays Artie, um, that's really just, that's just us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can kind of roll whenever we bicker, like, two people who have been working in a top secret government warehouse for 30 years even though I'm not quite 20 <laughs> wait in life or on the show uh in life really mm-hmm how old are you I'm 19 I'll be 20 in September I didn't know that well how, how old did you think I was well you just I mean you're very articulate you present yourself in a, I mean you look young but you don't you don't talk you don't 
Oh, fuck, I almost said you don't talk like a stupid teenager, but but you know, like oh, Hardwick's a mess. You know, but you know what I mean? Because you know, like teenagers. I don't know. Thank you. That makes sense. Okay, that totally makes sense. That's why when Sneaker Pimps came on the other night and we were hanging out, you were like, "I've never heard this song before," mm-hmm. because you were you were merely more than an embryo when uh, Six Underground came out. Sure. Um, and now you're speaking Greek. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, that's that's fascinating. Well, how did you how did you get to be so smart? Were you, was your ma, were your parents in some sort of weird? government fire starter like uh, program where they had psychic powers and then you you were born with some extra mutant ability I wish I could say that my birth was that monumental but it was extremely average and accidental um, no my you know my my dad's a, a doctor and and my mom uh, is a hairdresser who stayed at home to raise me mm-hmm. um, my, my folks split when I was really young but um, they were both me too yeah oh, come on yep I'm tough joint custody it's nice in the house it's nice uh, <laughs> and, and then in the other house too oh yeah um, I, I preferred to stay in one house but that's neither here nor there <laughs> uh, I was always really academic I'm a Virgo so it's uh, perfectionism is in I my blood I swear to god I thought you were about to say I'm a virgin I was going to be like that is why go there at this point no no uh, not going there I'm a yeah. Virgo right 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 <laughs> that's that's just where I thought you know sometimes you project ahead where you think people are going to go with that that's where I thought you were going to go right I'm sorry about that so on the other track mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll, cut, we'll take care of this in post fantastic we're not going to cut this out <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, I was always really academic. It's I, I'm the I'm the kind of person who, when I commit to going after something, I'm going to do it until it's dead. So I got into ballet when I was three and did that eight years until I had to quit to come out to Los Angeles. Um, so school has just always been something that I applied myself to and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know it's. You tell me that I'm mature and articulate and, you know, I've conditioned myself living in Los Angeles not to take a compliment. So I, right, right, I, right. So I have to kind of go, oh, thank you, that's very nice, and then catalog it and run away and go into my den of self-hatred. I feel like it's – I've just tried to embrace the not taking a compliment thing. So, um, like, for instance, here, pay me a compliment. This is this is just what I do rather than go through the whole rigmarole anymore. Uh, about you or about – Whatever, just any kind of compliment. That shirt is dope. You're fucking stupid. <laughs> See, that's what I like to... Because ultimately, that's, you know, when someone says... Nice. I know people like that. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, I wish I had had that much focus when I, when I was your age. I really, I really do. I didn't know what the fuck... I, I mean, I knew kind of what I wanted to do, but I didn't have any... I, I certainly wasn't driven like you are. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I have drive, but I... I there's that there's that quote that says that the coolest people still don't know what they want to do at 40. Mm-hmm. So for all the drive and ambition I have, my my tastes do tend to vacillate as well. So like you know, one day I'll be all about pursuing hack slash or whatever project mm-hmm. it is, and the next day I'll pick up my guitar and play it all day long and just figure out what songs I can cover. And you know, the next day I pick up a book and go, I just want to read this. I just and, wa- I want to read this. And I want to play guitar else. too. You know what? You, sh- you should be in some kind of reboot of Josie and the Pussycats where they're fucking badass. I would love to do that. That would be amazing. Right now I'm campaigning for uh, an undercover punk rock episode in season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously Pete and Mike are secret service agents. They can't go <laughs> undercover in a girl band. Nope. Why, you ask? Would... 
When Warehouse 13, you need to do a girl band plot. It, it's television. There, are, You can write a million different ways that could happen. There's an artifact. How are you guys going to make the you turning into Bill Cosby episode happen? You're just going to sit down and write it. That's uh, how. It's true. It's true. There's... He's, he's, that man has to have an artifact on him somehow. Um, my pitch for next next season, and who knows what they'll do, but I'd love for for us to have an artifact somehow associated with you know 1970s punk rock. So like the stage door of CBGBs could be the artifact. You walk in, you never come out. You're stuck in 1977. Um, do you kind of, do you kind of wish you were you were in that era? Oh, I was totally born in the wrong decade. I mean, I was born in 1990. Don't cry. And and. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. How can I cry when I can't even catch my breath? No, Um And I'm, I'm kind of just now discovering all the music of the 90s. Like, I, I started with, like, Bob Dylan in my early teens. Classic 90s artist. Of course. Yeah. When he came around in 92, I was like, this Dylan guy, he's really, he's really got something. <laughs> oh, you got to get the really early stuff. What? Um, you know... It would be funny if you were like, yeah, so when I discovered Dylan in the 90s, I was like, wow, this Jacob Dylan's really great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're talking about the wallflowers. Yeah, because I asked you, wait, you you said you just bought a bunch of music the other day. Mm -hmm. What'd you buy? I'm on a 90s kick. I bought Nirvana Unplugged in New York. Fantastic album. I bought... (laughs) This is off our first record. Most people don't know it. I bought Holes, Pretty on the Inside, and... uh, and Courtney well, she's loves, pretty somewhere. Uh, oh God! What? And and holes or uh, Courtney loves America's sweetheart solo album, which I hear is like unlistenable, but I I can't wait. Um, and the new Born Ruffians because I love me some indie rock. That's I don't now I'm not familiar with that band. Born Ruffians? Well, they're Toronto natives. You should check them out. I will. Yeah. Are they? Uh, what is it just what, is just indie rock? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think they're paper bag records or something. All right. Something local. I'll check it out. Yeah, great. I'll check it out on the World Wide Webs. Yeah. What other music do you like? That's like asking a librarian what kind of books they like. Um, I, I, I tend to like immerse myself in a certain movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love late 70s punk rock, but I also love 80s new wave. It's uh, funny now that people, when you ask them what kind of music they like, it's just because people's tastes are so eclectic, they revert to telling you what kind of music they don't like. Yeah. Because and then and it just means like, well, I don't like contemporary country music, and I'm not a fan of uh, klezmer, but everything else, right? You know, everything else. I hate that. I hate that. It, that doesn't tell me anything. It's like, what's what's on your shuffle right now? You're the iPod generation, there, it's true. Uh, Allison. It's true. Mm. I remember a time when we had to go check out reel-to-reels at the library. Right after I asked the librarian what book she liked, she got real <laughs> mad. And this I is not a timeless tapes. podcast what? at all. Like this, A few years from now, this is going to be so... 2010. Oh, who knows if podcasting will even be a thing in a few years. Podcasting? What's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what's, what's a tape deck? What's Losers. What's this ancient relic you speak of? Now we just do... Now we just do brain... Stabs. Well, brain stabs is where you basically just shove it into your ear, and then you just absorb all the information all at once. I'm very so similar. Afraid. Very similar to uh, to the Matrix. Sure. How, how uh, Neo learned kung fu. Awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm re- I'm kind of frightened of the day that 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 arrives. I'm sure it's coming. I mean, you have. It's interesting because it's rare that I talk to someone that has no concept of what life was like before the internet. You really don't. It was there when you were. You know, I mean, I got my first AOL account in 1994. Wow. So, b- back then, you were, I think, probably in your first year of college. <laughs> back, back when you were three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
on your uh, on your way to world domination. Oh, one day, one day. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was I was taking my Mensa exams in summer of '94. Uh, Not true. I've okay. never been to Mensa. Really? No. You're too fucking smart for them. <laughs> you can tell. What are you gonna do? So when? How much longer are you shooting? Uh, we're here until the show wraps in the first week of August. But I've got a whole whack of days off this month, so I'm going to go back to L.A. and, and veg out by the pool. Because, well, th- there was a two-week hiatus built into this, like, five-and-a-half-month shooting schedule we had. Mm-hmm. But while everyone else took a vacation, uh, they sent me over to Vancouver to do Eureka. Um, because our shows are crossing over this year. Um, Interesting. So, lots of fun. But no vacation for little skags. So you're young. You got tons of energy. What do you need true. a vacation for? It's true. I do have tons of energy. I, I'm afraid that my mind might short out pretty soon, but just lots of ginseng to help that. Listen, you know what? You're so young, in fact, that you could short out for like five years. <laughs> You'd still be 24 by the end of it and have <laughs> fuckloads of time to complete anything you wanted to complete. You have time. Time for you right now is. It's it's basically just a gift basket. You can just fucking go through everything and like, ah, I'm not gonna eat these crostini. I don't need this. I'll just throw this <laughs> shit out. Like, that's what time is like for you right now. It's it's basically just an endless basket of of uh, abundance. Wow, that's very inspiring. And I may have to write that down. An endless basket of abundance. I think Cornucopia, just, yeah. as it were. It was redundant, but I'll, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like repeating the same words, redundant. And so I. I Do you like, mean you're human? No. Join the club. No. You're not human. Trust me. You're some kind of fembot. Not true. From the not-too-distant future. <laughs> You're some kind of fembot from Robocop's Detroit. I I am an android. Uh, warehouse issue. Um, protocol. Punky Brewster Android. I'll t- oh, Punky Brewster Android. Yeah. You've, listen, not to be gross, but you've just given a masturbatory fantasy to half of our listenership. If you say Punky Brewster Android. Fantastic. Because that's, that's who I am. That's really what uh, Small Wonder was, was really Punky Brewster Android. Okay. Did you ever see Small Wonder? I, I didn't, but I remember, I remember being maybe nine, walking through a blockbuster and seeing the cover of it and running away. Yeah, picking up like I don't know, The Little Mermaid or something. It was a television series. Okay, it was it was like a bad syndicated. I mean, an awesome syndicated series where this family had a uh, an effeminate son, and so the father, as a robot designer, built uh, a female robot. I think to try to pull the son back into heterosexuality. I mean, I'm oh. adding a lot of this, this subtext. Was a, this was a series. I'm adding a lot of the subtext okay. in. Really, it was just a family who built a little girl robot. But I, I added a bunch of that stuff in for their son to play with. That's right, but he still didn't know what to do. Uh, and in the end, she worked him hard uh, in wow. the final episode. Yeah, and then the show was canceled. But uh, but um, what a tragedy! What a loss for pop culture. <laughs> Were there any small wonder lunchboxes? There must have been small wonder lunchboxes. Okay, that's my next eBay purchase. Small wonder lunchbox. I think I need a small wonder lunchbox. I'm sure there's one out there. I'm sure someone will send you one. Someone will bring you a small wonder lunchbox when you're at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Oh man, Comic Con. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm a little bit terrified. You, you, you must have been. Uh, I, I went last year, but it was a totally different experience because um, I hadn't joined the cast yet. I mean, I was I was we had been shooting, but my first episode hadn't aired. We screened it there, so I was able to like walk around on the floor and buy stuff for my nerd friends mm-hmm. and have a, a normal person at Comic Con experience. Now that our show has become the number one on Sci-Fi, and we have. Like, we had a 13% rise in viewership. That for, was success-knocking. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you that answer? Um, 
I I don't know that I'll be able to walk around the floor without some kind of disi- disguise. My pitch for a disguise was, I mean, last year, every girl I saw was in a Slave Leia costume. Mm-hmm. So do you think, correct me if I'm wrong, if I do the Slave Leia thing, I can maybe get out on the floor on Friday afternoon, like 4 o'clock. I would say you... Uh... I, I would say and not you, be pestered as if well. you if you walk through if you Allison walks through um, sending your contrast to slave Leia you'll be lucky if you're not pregnant by the time you get to the <laughs> other side of the floor so I may not suggest that fair enough fair as enough. a uh, as, you, you just go in a re- put on a radiation suit got it put on a radiation suit full on hazmat yeah put on a, a hazmat suit from Back to the Future uh, Marty you know like. Yeah, you you need to cover up as much as possible if you want to if you want to get through that floor. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because there's a you know because Comic Con, the nerds are like zombies, and once one of them recognizes you, there's this sort of like weird collective conscious thing that happens, and then you'll just see other heads start to swivel and turn, and then they'll descend upon you. They're all on the same mental network, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they they when one guy starts to get the pit sweat, they all start with the pit sweat. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's I think it's so much fun. I mean, there's a certain point when you're kind of being like jammed in between people. Sure, crowds aren't fun, but Cra- yeah, I love Comic Con too. Cra- crowds are not fun, but um, but but for the most part, most of the people at Comic Con are so nice mm-hmm. and, and sweet, and they're like. They're, you know, a lot of them are damaged inside like we are, so everyone, <laughs> everyone's first reaction is just to apologize. Like, oh my god, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I know. I, 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 I'm so surprised whenever someone, a uh, convention comes up and says, I'm sorry. To, to, uh, what are you talking about? I'm here for you. What, yeah. Did you like the show? What's your favorite episode? I love it. I think it's adorable and so healthy. Uh, are you doing a signing or what, what are you doing at Comic Con? I'm not doing a signing this year. Uh, what I am doing is, after the Warehouse 13 panel, I'll be moderating the Eureka panel. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, Neil from Eureka will be moderating ours. And then I'll uh, I'll turn right around and uh, throw questions at them. And I've never moderated anything before. I can uh, I can give you tons of advice about moderating. Teach me, Hardwick. I need pointers. Um, I watched Josh Gates do it last year, mm-hmm. um, luckily, because mm-hmm. otherwise I'd have no idea. Um, but, yeah, I'm... It's going to be a big room. It's going to be a, a very big room this year, and I'm already getting all, like... Do you ever do any live performance stuff? Uh, not in a really long time. <laughs> You're 19. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not since I played a sunflower in... Yeah, no, my last staged reading was when I was 14 at the Actors Gang. <laughs> reading a, a short one-act called Treefall... Wow. Post-apocalyptic... Never mind. Where did you... Wait, did we t- did we cover this? Where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Northern California, and right before, right before I turned five, um, my family moved to the New Orleans area, mm-hmm. um, and the second I got there and felt the humidity and got bitten by my first mosquito and welled up, um, I said, I don't want to ever have an accent like this. <laughs> so I don't... A common five-year-old thought. I Yeah, I don't... I really, thinking back, it, it, I kind of surprised myself. I don't know how I didn't acquire the draw because it's so easy to do when you're down there just to sort of get sloppy with your speech. I know. I grew up in Tennessee, and I lived in Arkansas, and it, it's, it's, it is infectious. Right. And I, you don't have an accent, but when mm. you go back, I'm sure you start to hear yourself like... 
When I'm performing, I notice it, and I think it's a weird... When I perform in the South, I notice it, and I think it, it, might, it, it comes out. Uh-huh. And I think it's just a weird subconscious thing that I want to connect with people more. Like, it's not anything that I do I do on purpose, yeah. but I notice when I start talking, I'll, I'll get a little bit of it back, uh-huh. and I'll say y'all, and I don't ever say that. Um, so it's it's sort of it's sort of a no. weird a weird thing that happens. That is amazing that at five um, you uh, you you had that thought. Most southern five year olds are just like shoving mayonnaise in their gaping maw. Uh, yeah, yeah. S- uh, snow cones in the summertime, fried chicken, crawfish pie. Horrible, horrible food. When- <laughs> so unhealthy for young people. But what are you talking about? We're in Toronto where they have fucking poutine. Yes, but there are also... just a fat casserole. A number of vegan restaurants. Um, and other um, sceny, bougie places that offer gluten-free options. Boy, the South, they try, like they, they try so hard. You know, you, you order a chicken salad in the South and you get... You get fucking wilted lettuce and, and and fried chicken and ranch dressing and bacon bits. Like they can't they can't help it. No. They 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 just they just can't help it. Have you ever been asked if you want your sandwich dressed? Uh, no. Fascinating. When when uh, when we moved down there, my mom had no idea what she was being asked when we ordered like a a po' boy or something. Mm-hmm. You want that dressed? She's like, excuse me, dressed? You know, dressed. Well, I was like, no, I what. What is dress? We put a jacket on it. What right, are you, right. you going to dress my sandwich? We put tiny jackets on sandwiches in the south. Mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato. <laughs> That's a dressed sandwich. <laughs> uh, yeah. Other funny word. Fixin. Oh yeah, yeah I'm fixing to. I'm, I'm fixing to. Fixing to do something. I'm fixing to do this. I'm making groceries to do that. instead of shopping for groceries and making groceries. That I haven't heard. That that might be a, <sighs> that might be a, a New Orleans thing. No, fixing to fixing is a big one. And and I'm I'm fascinated by the. By the versatility of y'all, the the, the word y'all. It can be plural. It can be yeah. Well, it can also like you can say, um, you know, you can say, hey, y'all want to meet up later, or you can if you're angry at people, you can be like y'all. Oh yeah. Or if you're sort of like if there's a kind of a wounded version where you want people to stop fucking with you, where you're like y'all. Yeah, exactly. So it's very it's it's that word that word carries a lot of weight in the South. Sure. Where in the valley in California, you just go, you guys, guys, why are you guys, you guys, why are we going to the MGMT concert, guys? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was in the South until I was eleven, um, and discovering uh, my penchant for performing down there really sort of kept me afloat. Um, it was culture shock. I mean, in Monterey, I was used to like being trundled. Oh, yeah, well, that's where I'm. That's where I'm really from. I don't. I don't really identify with the South. My dad still lives there, but like my family is all up in Northern California, and I kind of came out of the womb looking for sushi. Don't even go <laughs> but, there. But you, no, please no. Uh. <laughs> uh, so, like really used to. You know, all the culture. I get a Band-Aid from my tongue. I just had to bite through it. <laughs> I love your... By the way, your aquarium in Monterey is astonishing. It's it's the bomb dig, right? I got a... Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, I got a... Uh, I bought a t-shirt near the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Mm-hmm. It was the nerdiest t-shirt I've ever bought was... I don't even know if this is nerdy. This is just sad. It was... Um, it was an otter shirt. It had an otter on it. Awesome. But it was... It said it was uh, Harry Otter. 
H-A-I-R-Y, Harry Otter, and it was just this otter with these glasses and a lightning scar oh, on no. his forehead. That's like that's like big dog level nerdy. I don't. Well, it's pretty bad, but I I did uh, I did buy it, and it was one of those purchases that I never. Every time I'd pull it out and be like, "Today's the day, Harry Otter." Not feeling no. it. Not feeling it. Several like a few decades from now, that shirt will be awesome. <laughs> when like Harry Potter is a thing of you know early part of the century. Yeah. And ironic t-shirts are still in, because when will vintage ironic t-shirts ever go out? Right, right. I hope never, for right, my sake. Right, right. Um, yeah, when, uh, when, uh, when Daniel Radcliffe uh, starts looking like uh, Mel Smith, or uh, you don't know who that is. He's a, he's a British actor. Awesome. And, and he's not in good shape. Okay. He's a portly, he's a, he's a fine, hilarious, yet portly gentleman. When, Harry, when, when Daniel Radcliffe is old enough to play Dumbledore. Yes. That's when that shirt will be cool. That's fantastic. I wonder if they'll ever... You think that you think they'll reboot Harry Potter in like twenty years? I hope not. Leave it alone. They're already rebooting fucking Spider Man. Why wouldn't they? I know. Well, they're rebooting Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and it's less than. I mean, that movie, the American movie's in the works, and the second installment is just now coming out. The second Swedish installment. Man, so. they can't waste any time. It's that you know the, the companies are just so scrambling to get people's attention, so they're they're just going for the the heaviest branded entertainment they can sure. find, even if that means like we're just going to remake this fucking this title over and over and over again. I'll bet we'll have one day five versions of the same movie being made at the same time. That would be amazing. What do you want? Do you want to do anything besides? Do you want to? I'm I'm sure you must write. Um, you must you must want to write a book at some point, or you must want to write a screenplay or something. I want to do it all. Um, it's when I'm on set, I, I tend to pay a lot of attention to the camera operators and the DP because um, I'm kind of I'm fascinated with you know how lighting a scene can change the entire tone of it. Um, and we we shoot with red cameras, which are I mean when they malfunction when they malfunction, which is often. Uh, we call it a red moment. Uh, but shooting on a hard drive means you can just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot because there's sort of endless storage and it's not nearly as as expensive as film um, to acquire or to turn around. Back uh, in my day, film was what we used in cameras and uh, there was it was in limited supply. Indeed. And you could only get like a take. And yeah. You're like, well, we're out of film now. Yeah. yeah. Back but, when but you actually rehearsed. Yeah, but you kids now, I mean, you just have everything in, in ones and zeros. It's true. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to learn how to do everything. I want to get to the point where I can, you know, where if I find a book uh, or or a short story or something that um, I think would be a great vehicle for me, I want to develop it. Like, I want to either adapt it or produce it or get to the point where I'm directing at some point. I've already, I, I've befriended the camera department enough that I think they'll let me operate a camera on second unit in season through. Maybe. Really? Maybe. That's pretty snazzy. I'm hoping. This is fascinating. So, what's your do you do you have do you have a um, uh, a Courtney Love uh, written plan down somewhere? Like, what's your what's? I'm so fascinated to know what your process is. Um, God, I just I try to stay busy uh, as much as possible. I don't I don't have the Courtney Love timeline, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe what scares me. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm kind of insatiable when it comes to. 
when it comes to working, when it comes to creating. Well, the other thing about Courtney Love's timeline is that when you read farther, it actually says fall into a disgusting horror volcano. So it's amazing that she actually is making that part happen as well. Yeah. She's really, that's ambition. That is nothing, that is nothing but ambition. Definition of Machiavellian tendencies. I, I think uh, I think a lot of people would benefit from uh, what from however it is that you're able to do all that. I, I stay busy all the time. I'm not 100% sure that's a good thing. I always feel like it's because I'm running from something, but I don't know what that is. Oh, me too. <laughs> but that's that's the artist's curse, right? It's like, we're, I am the piece of shit at the center of the universe. You are the piece of shit at the center of your universe. <laughs> something is going to go wrong if we're not constantly creating something. No, you. I know you did, uh, you, you do yoga. Yes. Did you was you said vinyasa? Vinyasa indeed. Is that the is that the like 110 degree? Hell's to the no. Look at me. I weigh about 2 pounds. I have a feeling that if I tried to invert myself and then stand up in a 95 degree room, I'd fall over and pass out. Okay. No, I, I have not tried hot yoga because I'm afraid of it. And I also don't like to sweat. Yeah. But in this humidity, it's kind of hard not to. So I think part of the reason why we stay really busy is because maybe we don't want to be left alone with our thoughts. Yes. I mean, like, we just don't want the... Such bad news. Because if you're focusing on external things so much, you can keep you can keep the forces from turning inward. <laughs> the voices don't talk to yeah. me when I'm playing a character. <laughs> no, that's her talking. That's the character talking. It's yeah. not me. And then if I'm not practicing guitar, I hear the voices. I don't want to hear the voices. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you... So how's yoga been for you? It's been great. It's been great. It's um, I'm pretty flexible, so that's that's right. the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> what? Was what? That? Nothing. I was, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um. Yeah. No. I'm. I, I like a few classes back. I I surprised myself and like sprang up into the air with my toe hooked in my hand, and I was like, you know, standing side split, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I, I didn't it's... did not know I could do that. Um, but it. It's not easy. Like, I, I think, you know, having done ballet for eight years, my balance is pretty good. I'm pretty flexible. But you try holding the airplane pose for a minute and a half or a shoulder stand for two minutes. No, I've done yoga before. It, it is hard because you don't, you know, yeah, exactly. You're not, you, you, there's there's a certain, I mean, your body, the, your muscles have to function to keep you in that position. Yeah. And it, it fucking hurts. Yes. Uh, after a while. It burns. And it hurts a lot more when you're not na 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 19. <laughs> it hurts a lot more when you get a little older. I'm 22. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's why I'm doing it now. So that when I, when I get to the ripe old age of 22, I'm not, I'm not limping over to Starbucks. I gotta tell you something. I think you're gonna be all right, Alice. <laughs> I think you're gonna be a okay. I try really hard. <laughs> I just try. <laughs> Listen, it's not great now, but it's gonna get better. <laughs> like, what did, what did that mean? Yeah. Do you do that thing where uh, do you do you hyperanalyze everything? Oh, of to course. Death? Well, this oh, person said this, so I said this, so that must mean. Do you do a, do you do apology texts afterwards where you write and go, "Well, remember how I said that thing, and I didn't mean that thing, and I hope that didn't offend you." And the other person is like, well, "I'm too busy thinking about myself. I didn't know what you were. I don't remember what you were talking about." I don't do the apology text because I'm so terrified of seeming uncool, which I realize is really uncool. But yes, I do this super analyzing thing, and the perfect example of that was when we were, we were back uh, on season two. It was the first episode. It was like the first scene that I that Saul and I were shooting um, back from the hiatus. And uh, it was a sort of sentimental scene where he really connects with me, like, as a father figure, and I get a little emotional. It's, it's a cute scene. Uh, and afterwards, he said, uh, he said, it's like falling off a log, isn't it? And I kind of half-smiled, and I went, what does that mean? 
does that mean? <laughs> falling off a log, that's painful. That's mindless. Nothing, there's nothing positive about falling off a log. And uh, I think he saw the sort of bafflement and sadness on my face. He went, that's a good thing, Allison. <laughs> falling off a log is easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's easy. Yeah. I went, oh, sorry. I've I, I never heard that expression. You've never heard falling off a log? I'm 19, Saul. So oh, go do your yoga. Boy, you just reminded me of it. It's it, when you when you just when you just reminded me of an amazing story that I saw two Christmases ago. Of a little, it was at a, I was at a Christmas party, and this isn't me just talking about myself. This ties into what you just said. Okay, I was at a Christmas party, and there was like a three year old at the party, and um, it was uh, at this guy's place who was a trainer, so he had some exercise equipment out, and there was a medicine ball. And so the little boy, the three-year-old boy, went to pick up this medicine ball, and he went to hoist it up, but of course it's a medicine ball, so it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And in that child's mind, uh, balls are not heavy. No. They're light, and you can throw and play with them. And so when he went to pick it up and it was heavy, it fucking blew his mind <laughs> wide open. Like, he just started screaming at it. And, and, and the moment where you could see that in this, in this human being's life... The, the the periphery of his of his his worldview it was an episode shift. Yeah, it, it was. Just just in that simple moment of like realizing that not all balls are heavy, he just learned like an, a universal truth. And it it was the most amazing thing. I I've laughed, of course, but uh The and, bubble was burst. But the the bubble was burst. God damn it, balls are sometimes heavy. When he when he gets a little older his balls will be heavy. <laughs> and that's preparing us for that day. Indeed. <laughs> they used to be buoyant. <laughs> now I have to Velcro them. <laughs> what oh. are we talking about now? I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, um, so what are you going to do once you're done with uh, with Warehouse 13? Um, post Warehouse 13, I'm going to hit the pavement again. I'm moving to New York in the fall because mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm ready for a, a change in Metropolis. Yeah. I've been in LA. Toronto's for, not dirty enough for you. Toronto's not dirty enough, and LA is it's too car-centric. Uh, yep. you know, I want to be in a city where I can hop on a subway, like Toronto, mm-hmm. only bigger. You can hop on a subway in Los Angeles, but it really just takes you downtown, and no one goes there. And you know what? I did that recently, as a as an aside. I did that uh, the last time I was in LA. My my friend Phil's movie premiered at uh, at the LA Film Festival, and you know it was silly to drive all the way down there and fight traffic when I could just take the subway. And on the way back, I'd gotten on the wrong train, uh, so I had to go back and change. And as I'm waiting to get onto the right train, there's this guy um, who just looked like a dirty hippie from Venice, like. Uh, Really attractive dude. Though. Was it Sean like, Penn? <laughs> you know, it's funny. He he looked like he would have sounded like Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, he was like very Aryan, much like yourself. Oh yeah, he was all like just tan and blue eyed and blonde and gorgeous, like these dirty dreads. Like myself, yeah, exactly. Minus I was the like, dreads. All right, Foxy. Uh, and I so I got on the train and and he swooped right in after me with his personal grocery cart with a comforter in it Uh, and I just kind of sat there and like I'm in a short dress feeling uncomfortable and and the voice that came out of him was um, so wrong for this for this individual he said let me ask you a question my friend have you ever smoked crack (laughs) and I just looked at him for long enough to grasp that that was the sound that this face made. Yeah. And said, uh, no. <laughs> and he nodded. 
It's and easier then, than falling off a log. And then he he opened his mouth again and said, Let me ask you a question, my friend. Have you ever smoked crack? I looked at him again and I said, No. And then he did it a third time. I know you love redundant, so we've already covered that. He did it a third time. And I kept, like, the only reason I... I kept sitting there was because I thought that each time he'd ask me a different drug. Like, maybe he'd say, maybe he'd say smack, or maybe he'd say dope. But he didn't. He said crack all three times. And the third time, I just looked at him and smiled. And he smiled back, and I thought, there's a person in there. I can see, I can see Jeff Spicoli or whoever you mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the train stopped, and I went, oh, I have to change trains. And I got out, and I got into a different car, because I was not sure of where that That's, was heading. See, I would, I would avoid crack just for the squeaky voice side effect. Yeah. Maybe he thought crack was like Bloody Mary. Like, if you say it three times, it just appears. Yeah. And then, then you get to take crack. Right. Maybe, I mean, I don't know where he thought I had it. My dress was very... It was tight-fitting and short. There was no place to put my crack pipe. Um, There's no... Well... I guess there was one place. I mean... But that's not sanitary. really want to be... Ah, no, I don't carry it there. Have you ever... Have you ever... uh, Actually, when I was in... uh, When I was just out of college, I was going to go to this party, and this girl... was talking to this girl, and she was like, yeah... She she mentioned there was going to be crack at the party that... uh, but it was so casually thrown into everyone, everything else. She might have, she might as well have said, you know, corn chips. But she, she was like, yeah, it's gonna be a fun party. You know, there's gonna be like, um, you know, there's gonna be like vodka and beer. There's gonna be some pot, um, crack, uh, wine. It was like what? What? Just really blase. What? Yeah, really, just like really, just threw it in with everything else. It reminds me of Boogie Nights when that tiny, tiny little anorexic thing gets out of the limo with. Uh, oh yeah, and she's. Pardon me, do you have any coke at this party? <laughs> and Burt Reynolds is like, oh, it's no bigger than a minute, are you? Shy as a butterfly. Oh, I love Boogie Nights. It's a good movie. Yeah. Anyway, so after Warehouse 13, I'm going to move to New York and uh, hit the pavement there. That's nice. I, but I do want to say one thing about downtown LA. Which okay. Is, which is, no one, a lot of people don't go there, but it is a very cool part of Los Angeles. There's actually a tremendous amount of culture there. Sure, sure. Lots of museums, lots of crackheads. What were you doing when you were going down there? Uh, my friend Phil Flores just premiered uh, his movie The Wheeler Boys at uh, the Los Angeles Film Festival, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah? Uh, really, really proud of my friend. I've known him for uh, several years. We, I, I met him when he was in uh, when he was going to USC for film, and he got this movie made by way of a, a contest sponsored by Film Independent and Netflix. Um, and went through this whole rigmarole to get it. I mean, like, submitted his screenplay that he'd adapted from uh, a short story. Mm-hmm. Um, and produced a, a trailer for consideration with nine other trailers. And, and his one. And his movie is spectacular. Is it available anywhere? I uh, believe you can stream it on Netflix. Although I may be wrong. Um, but I think I think they're making the uh, the festival rounds right now. But, yeah. There you go, Phil. I just promoted your movie again. And where is my name on the special thanks? Nowhere. What an ungrateful fuck. <sighs> Phil. What a piece of human feces. For all the concerts I've taken you to. God. And she's known you for years. Like, after she wrote her second screenplay at nine, <laughs> Phil. And it's like, you know, this friendship is just not really When I was still in high school, like two weeks out. ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did you go to regular high school? Or did I you go, didn't. Did you go no. to actor school? I went to actor school. I went to uh, I went to this 
it was actually started for the academically at risk, but it was it was independent study. Academically at risk? Like, yeah. you're gonna, you're like you're gonna hurt academics in some way? Well, you know. We don't want to let them too near academics. Truants and juvenile delinquents and whatnot. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, I did independent study through high school so I could audition and work and so, yeah, and then community college after that. And that's still, you know. Now I'm assuming you've seen, I, I feel like what I want to do is just list, I, you're, you're, because you seem older than you are, I almost feel like you've been frozen in a time, like in some sort of stasis, like some kind of, you know, like you just woke up from a coma or something and you, you missed the 80s and you missed all these great movies. So I yes. feel like I want to give you a list of like, you got to see this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and see sure. what you've already, see what you've already seen. Oh, Did you man. see some kind of wonderful? Because no. you should have been in that movie. Oh, really? You would have been the Mary Stuart Masterson character. Fantastic. Fantastic. I should probably get out my moleskin and start writing down all these amazing, amazing tips. Moleskin at 19. Adorable. Yeah, some kind of wonderful is fan- she's a fuck she's a drummer. Okay. She's a fucking drummer. Well I don't I don't know how to play the drums yet. <laughs> Give me two weeks. But I'm sure it's coming. Okay, this is this is uh Hardwick's She's really writing this down. Skagucation. Skagucation. Oof. I've been calling. I've Sounds been, like an inflammation. I've been. I've been uh, there's some slight scagulation, um, but uh, we're going to lance that and uh, give you some topical, and you'll, you'll be all right. All right. So some kind of wonderful. What else? Some kind of wonderful. Um, I mean, have you have you seen the have you seen the classic dude comedies, the Caddyshacks of the world? I've seen Caddyshack years ago, but it's, <laughs> you you can't say years ago. That means it's true. In my early teens was years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh fuck! Now, um, uh, uh, now I gotta think of some really great '80s flicks. Did you ever see uh, Tapeheads? No. John Cusack. John Tape Cusack. Heads. I'm bullet pointing all of these. By the way, I'll make a spreadsheet when I get home. Yeah, uh, Tape Tapeheads is really great. Um, let's see what else is really awesome from the '80s. Um, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. You haven't seen that? No. It'll literally be your favorite new. It'll be your new favorite movie. It's the Coen Brothers. I love the Coen Brothers. It's it's the it was you know like if you watch Blood Simple or any of their earlier stuff like I feel like Raising Arizona was the first kind of movie where you watched them kind of spread their wings and just fuck shit up. That movie was so amazing. Nice. Um. Um. <laughs> this is so much fun. I, I wasn't prepared to think of a list. Okay. Why don't we start you there? All right. Very that's, good. That's Three five, is good. That's five to six hours of entertainment I right will, there. I will take my list to Queen Video uh, later this afternoon and. Any, any and anyone who's listening can follow uh, Allison Skag with two L's. Uh, on Twitter, and you can just give her recommendations. Of, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna write you a, a comprehensive oh, list of, of stuff that you should the stuff that you should see. I'm glad, so I get something out of this deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> you, know, you invite a 19 year old girl up to your hotel room and under the auspice of recording something, and this is the shit you get. <laughs> I wish I had any of these movies here. I don't. Yeah, I don't even think I can stream. You know, you can't stream movies in the hotel. The, the the wireless internet's not that good. It's horrible. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It's a it's a combination of them not having a robust network and then a bunch of people tugging on it at the same time. I could bore you to tears. Uh, well, as someone who does not it, does not remember a reality without the internet, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> you don't appreciate the internet. I no, I don't appreciate the the lack of robustness in hotel Wi-Fi. I'm surprised, actually, that there that I mean, like just setting up better networks everywhere. I mean, I, I I would have thought by 2010 there would just be 
Global Wi-Fi, right? For public networks. And we all have brain cancer. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's no... They haven't made that link. Not yet. <laughs> when you go to medical school and get your degree, uh, then, then you can prove that. Yes. Um, so what are you going to do when you're in New York? Um, everything. Everything New York has to offer. Um, Except I, for the bars because you're 19. I know. Can you believe it? Le- le- drinking age in Canada is 19. Oh, yeah? And in, uh, in the States, it's 21. It's hilarious. I'm not much of a drinker. I'm not a drinker. What did I just say? No. Anyway. Uh, Listen, no one listening ever drank before they were 21 in the States. At all. Um, I I really, really like concerts. So I'll, I'll go to as many concerts as New York has to offer. Um, and I love going to UCB in LA, so I'll probably hit up UCB in New York. You'll love it. It's like a whole... The UCB in New York is like uncovering a whole different world because you you know you get very used to oh these are these are the performers here in LA and you love them and then you go mm-hmm. there and it's like it's like you know like jumping into a different pool that's right. that's you know well you had not Matt, Matt Walsh on your uh on yeah. your podcast right yeah dude is hilarious Matt's phenomenal just saw him in Cyrus Matt's great and uh and Ian and and Besser and then you know all those all those UCB originals yeah yeah they're all they're all phenomenal. We had Paul Rust on Drake and Josh for like a two liner. I couldn't believe it. Like he's hilarious, and isn't he writing the the new Pee Wee? He is co-writing the new Pee Wee. I mean, movie. I can't. I cannot imagine a better fit for the new Pee Wee. I'm so excited. When I, I saw that, I. I I tweeted it, and then and then Pee Wee retweeted my tweet. You were uh, come on. You were retweeted by Pee Wee. Yeah. You're. This is historic. It is, it's, 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 I'm, he's, I think he's following me right now. Don't turn around. No, I, I, am such a, that, that is one of the most amazing things to me about Twitter is actually being able to hook up with, I mean, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a sense, hooking up with, with people that you idolized when you were younger. And I love that Pee Wee, that I love that he's come, I love that he's doing stuff again. I'm still trying to get Joan Jett to follow me. Can't get her attention on the Twitter though. I don't think it's really her. You don't think so? No. I feel like she... Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Were you bummed that you should have been in that movie? Yes, I should have. Did you audition for it? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Is this a, is this a heartbreaking story? I worked with Joan. Um, my, the first movie I did was a National Lampoon movie that she was in. Um, now she really should be following you. Yeah. Yes, she should. But that's okay. Um, so hopefully I'll find her in New York and, and befriend her. Um, hey, it's me. Why the fuck aren't you following me? And yeah. you're punch her in the face and she'll just kind of like take the punch and wipe the blood off and be like, you're all right, kid. Yeah, exactly. I'm follow you on Twitter. Let's make out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then play some nasty rock and roll. Would you make out with Joan Jett? Are you, are you asking me seriously? I think so. I don't know. I would have to... I, oh, man... I'm a classy girl. I'm not the kind of person that that, that would just like make out with someone make out with any status. old Joan Jet. If if she and I had chemistry, maybe. <laughs> That's a good answer. I've I've never made out with a girl before. I'm not like I'm not afraid to admit that I've never made out with a girl. You're not like I, Katy Perry. I'm not like Katy Perry. I'm not like Katy Perry. So I don't listen. She to is a 40. treasure. She is a national treasure. Oh, but she's so hot and cold. That California girl. She is so. Up in the air. You never know where you stand with Katie. I don't listen to Top 40. I don't listen to country. But sometimes I listen to gangster rap. I'll tell you what you would like is you would like 70s country. 
You would you would love set you would love you would love seventies country and earlier. Yeah. It, it, well, I love Johnny Cash, so like that whole world I'm down with. Yeah, but you'd love like old Hank Williams, I think. Yes. I, not really knowing you that well, I'm gonna tell you that you would love old Hank Williams. Certainly. You would love like Ray Price and uh, you know, getting into the seventies like Waylon when Waylon Jennings there was there was a weird kind of funk influence that hit country and it got a little really dirty and greasy in the seventies. Nice. Uh, so I think um yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to just fill your brain with a bunch of just weird media. Yes, please do. I will. Please do. I, I am a, I'm a pop culture hound. Um, I should fill your brain with what's to come in season two of Warehouse Thirteen. I think. Will you please? Yes, please. Um, so what, tell me first where you're going when this is going to land on the, uh, on the World Wide Web. Um, I will. I'll probably put it up. I'll, I'll definitely. I want to put it up before Comic Con because okay, we cool. talked about you about to be at Comic Con. Right on. So it'll be up sometime in the next couple of weeks. Nice. So so people will have already seen uh, episode mild mannered, our superhero episode. When does uh, that air? That's this Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah we've got. The, I mean, the cool thing about season two is that it's it's an edgier, sexier version of what we were last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, these we have such. Phenomenal writers that populate the writers' room, um, and of course Jack Kenny, who who keeps the ship running smoothly. Um, so we know what works, we know what we can do within the mythology of the show, mm-hmm. but we've still managed to mix it up every week because every episode is different. We've got like a fashion show uh, episode coming up. We've got uh, there's an episode where my character goes out in the field with uh, with Micah, um, which is brand new, um, and so we get to see. My character is sort of struggling with, you know, what am I? Am I a hacker? Do I want to be a Secret Service agent? Like, I, I, I know I want to be part of the warehouse. Um, That's what's fun when a show, like, really gets room to develop. You know, like, you... You know, like if you ever if you ever watch Buffy, you know, like you you get to see the fir- the third season is much different from the first season because they can kind of like expand it, you know, and they can yeah. do a musical episode and they can you know they can they can or like on Angel they did a puppet episode which was really super awesome. Exactly. So one day we'll get to puppets in a musical, but just yet <laughs> we've really settled into our characters and 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 know who these people are. It's really it's cool. Saul does not have to act at all. All he does. When he becomes Artie, he takes his eyebrows and he pushes them up into the middle of his forehead um, because he's let them grow that long. (laughs) Grabs the massive steel wool that is his hair, pulls that up, and uh, and puts on his glasses. And there's Artie. That's fantastic. Yeah, it changes everything. So what's what's gonna what what else what's gonna happen in season two? Um, Fargo from Eureka comes to visit the warehouse. And sparks fly between Fargo and Claudia. Uh-oh. But the problem is that Claudia's already met Todd, mysterious young lad who lives in Unaville, the town that houses the warehouse. Now, is he a vampire or a werewolf? Um, neither. Oh, well, I'm not interested in I only like teen dramas with vampires and werewolves. I'll show myself the door. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my good friend Nolan uh, Funk. I, you know, I kind of got... Everything that I wanted this season, mm-hmm. I lobbied for a Eureka crossover, um, boys to make out with, and at least a couple scenes where I wield a weapon. I got all of that. Well, you should lobby for Joan Jett. I, I should lobby for Joan Jett. Oh man, I should lobby for a lot of things. Do you? Are you? Are you, you should s- be a lobbyist. Are you someone who, like, when you get stuff, or is it more about the process of wanting stuff for you or when you get it are you genuinely like oh I can relax for a second because I did get that thing I wanted um 
No. As soon as as soon as as soon as I get the job or I have uh, something coming up, mm-hmm. I have performance anxiety. Like, oh god, this I'm so excited to do this now. Oh, I hope I don't choke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had nightmares over over the hiatus between season one and season two, um, where I'd be on set, the cameras were rolling, they slated the scene, yelled action, and I went, I don't know my lines. <laughs> Oh my god, I have no idea what this scene is. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know where I am. I'm sorry, I have to stop. And that was, like, the most... I had it, like, four times over the course of the hiatus. So... But that never happened. No, no, that never happens. Because I'm compulsive about being prepared. That's fantastic. Yeah. Man, I knew a lot of actor kids when I was growing up, and they they all just didn't seem to give a shit about anything. But that's probably a bad example because now they're all really famous. So, I, listen, your way is going to work as well, though. Is <laughs> Hopefully. That's my, <is> my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, season two, yeah, we've got this crossover, and the crossovers are great. Um, Fargo, Fargo's reason for being at the warehouse is to update the computer system, which, of course, has to go awry. Um, but, uh, you know, long-distance relationships will never work. Fargo's West Coast, Claudia's East Coast, World Traveler. Yeah, but the Internet. The Internet, baby. <sighs> Webcam. FaceTime! That's, that's not... I can't hold a webcam. You can. It's just weird. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, what else? We're... Uh, I don't want to give you any spoilers, but there's so much cool stuff. <laughs> I, I listened to uh, a little bit of your Ozzy podcast. Oh, you did? Ozzy Osbourne's amp is an artifact. We have it in the warehouse. <sighs> Along with Jimi Hendrix's guitar... Um, a time machine of sorts. What? Uh, it might be a super spoiler, but I, if, if that's all I tell you, that's all. Wait. It's fine. Um, oh, my God. My mind is racing. Okay. Well, there you go. Chew on that for a while. I will. Um, what else do we have? We have Man Ray's camera. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> do they have to get permission from these people before they like? Do they go to the estate of Jimi Hendrix and be like, "Hey, we want to say that this is guitar. Is that okay, or can you just do that?" That's. I think. I think that's public domain. Okay. We don't. We. We. I think we try to select things that are pretty accessible and not too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, last year we had uh, Edgar Allan Poe's pen and notebook. Which is my favorite because anything that you write with that pen manifests. Uh huh. So my my go-to line for that is if I had this pen I would write my multi-million dollar movie contract and then it would just happen and I wouldn't have to be as OCD as I am that's right uh, you know the way you'd get it and then you'd still be OCD sure yeah I'd, I'd the slippery slope with that is I want more Edgar Allan Poe pens and then there'd be I want I wish for infinite wishes yes yep. oh no you always wish for infinite wishes that's what you're supposed to wish for it's true do you think you're going to have uh, Chris Hardwick's singled out gas station hosting shirt Single That was a show on in the mid-90s uh, when you were very young. Indeed. Um, and I wore sometimes a lot of gas station shirts, as men would do, uh, as young men would do in the mid-90s. Proud of you. Um, I'm sure it's a relic, and I'm sure that it has, that it's been imbued with your... Snark. With your snark. Mm-hmm. So it's in the it's in the snark section. I'm sure there's got to be, like, a stand-up comedy section in the warehouse. It's endless. The, the, it has, it, it's like, I feel like the warehouse is... A small version of the universe that we live in, and mm-hmm. it's just the floor plan is constantly expanding. It's underground, so who knows how far it could go? Uh, there are vaults and sectors that we discover in every di- every episode that I didn't know about. Um, so there's kind of endless possibilities with that show. 
Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you uh, agreed to come do this podcast. Uh, it's been, and we have to give a shout out to our mutual friend JP Manu. Ah, uh, word up JP for getting us together up here in Toronto. Yes, yes, so nice, so nice. I've known JP forever. He was on your show as well. I uh, met JP when I was 13 on my third pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized after we've been talking for an hour that this podcast is going to make me sound like such an overachieving douchebag. No. But that's okay because I am an overachieving douchebag. It's not it's not at all. Listen, the, you know, there's a difference between someone who says a lot of stuff because they're trying to sound cool, and you can tell when it's is actually an organic part of someone's personality. Yeah. And 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 I, I don't I think the douchebagginess just comes in when when the poser thing is added, which is not you. So I don't think I don't think it comes off douchey at all. It's, I mean it's I think it's impressive. It makes me jealous. Oh yeah. It makes me jealous that when I was when I was nineteen, I I was I was I was in college and not you know like I was like I love I really want to do comedy but I'm afraid to do comedy and you college know. is admirable I fully support getting your education yeah I mean it's admirable but it is and it it, it it is of course but you know I mean you you can educate yourself in very specific ways now now that we have the internet and all information available at any given second um, you know. I was in a fraternity for like a semester. Ooh! I got out though. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, I'm. So I didn't rape anyone, you know. So that was that was good. And how lucky for me! <laughs> you weren't even born yet. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I was merely an inkling. That's right. I wasn't even an inkling. Nope. In my mother's mind. Nope. You were just. It could have been your dad came home after a heart. You ever think about how you were conceived? Like no one ever thinks about like. I what... try really hard not to think about how I was conceived. You you, ne- you don't know if it was just like a ah, let's just get this over with or hey we're in the car and it's sexy or just like well it's sex night like you don't even know you don't even know what the what the circumstances were surrounding the conception. I do, though. That's the sad thing. You do? I do. You know, I've just realized we have a little bit more time in the podcast. No. I feel like my dad had been away for a while, and it was like winter. <laughs> you know? Come here. Keep me warm. Winter of 1989. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so that's why I was born in September. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, uh, I, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and, and I, I hope you had fun. And, I did. And this, I, was, this was the most like random stream of consciousness interview I've ever done, and I'm really glad. That's all Normally it is. it's like, what can you tell us about season two? Oh. What can we expect out of your character? Which is really great, but like having to repeat the same sort of sound bites over and over gets really old. So yay, Nerdist randomness. Do you have just a, a, a do you just have like three or four um, just regular answers to throw at me? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the sexy, edgy show, mixing it up every week. Struggle between girlhood and womanhood for Claudia. I got everything I wanted. Those are all bullet pointed in my moleskin. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. That's fantastic. Mm. Well, oh, oh, and you've got the flip up moleskin too. Yeah, it's, I'm trying something new. That's good. How Normally, is it? Is it uh, is it interfering with your uh, OCD? Um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I filled up a, a journal style one, and I really liked it. But uh, this was sort of more conducive to the back pocket. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Excellent. Well, I'll see you. I mean, you know, we'll see you at Comic Con. Yes, indeed. And uh, other people can see you doing the Eureka panel at Comic Con. They can also watch uh, Warehouse Thirteen uh, Tuesday nights only on Sci Fi. Sci Fi. Imagine greater. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I've become the mayor of that channel. Okay, I've done Destination Truth. I've done Eureka. I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate a panel. I'll tell you why it's smart. Because it means that you could like they'll consider you to like pitch the next show. 
Like you, you I should I should get around to writing a pilot. What is taking me so long? You are really fucking up this opportunity. Ugh. Let's write it right now. I'm going to turn off this podcast and we're going to start writing right Why now. Why are we wasting time podcasting? Let's do something productive. Here we go. Fade in. Later. Now leaving nerdist.com. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.